Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 165 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is Justin the Professor Anderson, dusting off an old one there for you. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a while. Saskatchewan. It's been a while. It's been a while since I could. Do you remember that song? I do. I wish I didn't. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Everybody, uh, including... Our lovely listeners, thanks for uh, staying tuned here during this lockout portion of lockout the season. Not great. Um, but if you're still digging uh, what we do here, we are Baseball Podcast. We're going to talk baseball today. We're going to grade our hitters. Uh, we're going to talk about players. It's going to be fun. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. Check us out on all the usual podcast haunts. Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Check out our website, bfmdpodcast.com, content TBD. Uh, Justin, we've got like a, a couple things slid across our desk here at the last minute that we added in. Um, let's just blow through this and then get to the good shit. Yep. First of all, let's talk about it. The CFL division finals. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about it, or are you yeah. so upset? No, it's fine. I kind of knew it was going to happen. So. <laughs> okay. So here's okay. Here's the skinny. Uh, the Tiger Cats defeated the Argonauts. Who did they have their starting QB or was they he did? Up? Yeah. Um, okay. And, but we both picked Hamilton to, to win. We did. Yes, we picked Hamilton to win. Uh, and they got the W, 27-19 to 19 in uh, what was otherwise a pretty normal CFL game. But, of course, the disappointment kicks in. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who were the toast of the league the entire season, start to finish, yep. defeated our Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 21-17, to 17, in another ordinary CFL game. <laughs> Not really ordinary. Uh, There's a lot of turnovers. Uh, a lot of turnovers. Feelings. Yeah, the Riders won the turnover battle, battle, but the defense couldn't, or the offense couldn't capitalize. The defense played well. I mean, they held Winnipeg to that number of points, and you couldn't get it done. Um, they no. just look like a team of destiny. Yeah, this the, year. The, the Bombers are a good team. Um, I, I'm hoping that the, the Tiger Cats can win today. I just, really? I don't, I, I as as a person from saskatchewan i have a deep founded hatred for winnipeg and for the bombers especially okay just because of football reasons no nothing else (laughs) in case Um, you care about these kind of things uh the winnipeg blue bombers were the last team to win the gray cup they defeated the hamilton tiger cats in mcmahon stadium uh amidst a crowd of thirty-five thousand. rematch Back on November 24th, 2019. This time around, they're in Hamilton, mm-hmm. which is exciting because Hamilton has not hosted the Grey Cup uh, since, I believe, 1996, if I'm not mistaken. It's a long time. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats have also not won a Grey Cup since 1999. Hmm. Yep. So... There's a lot of interesting subplots happening with this Grey Cup. And, of course, you can tune in because it's going to be today, today being Sunday, December the 12th. The Grey Cup 
hath cometh. Um, let's make our picks. Let's sure. Let's say it. I am pushing all my chips on your Hamilton Tiger Cats to take the win in overtime with a field goal. There you Ooh, go. overtime. Delicious. I'm gonna I'm I'm taking the Tiger Cats too. I've like I said, I've got a buddy who plays the Tiger Cats, so there you go. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I gotta get on get behind him. Um I'm gonna say 27-24. Cats kick a field goal in the last three minutes to take the lead. Uh, I think it's gonna be a defensive battle. I think there's gonna be some turnovers. Yes, yes it is. Um it's supposed to be like fifteen degrees in Hamilton today, so crazy for December. It should be like minus ten. Um yeah. especially based on the the final games last weekend were both really crummy weather. Um, so that that doesn't really that doesn't favor either team because both teams are going to be <laughs> nice let's and toasty. Also, let's take a moment. Let's backtrack a little tiny bit. Um, very interesting. Historically, the Tiger Cats have won eight Grey Cups. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. This could this could be the end. We're picking it to be the end of the longest drought amongst. Uh, CFL teams, which means every team would have won a Grey Cup. If the Tiger Cats win today, every team will have won a Grey Cup since 2010, which is incredible. Yeah. Oh, that and means I to... there's pretty much no repeats. The weather did change a little bit today. It's only supposed to be three degrees now. Um, yeah. Still well above seasonal and a little windy, but that's to be expected. <laughs> there hasn't really been a dynasty. Uh, in the CFL, probably I, even the last 30 years, the closest you get is uh, the Argonauts repeated in the mid 90s. The Alouettes did win uh, three with Anthony Calvillo. Edmonton was pretty good back. for a while too. With they Mike, were, but they Ray only won. They only have one Grey Cup in the last yeah uh, such and such years. Yeah, uh, all their wins are spread out. Yep. Um, uh, so. It's kind of cool. I mean, the last the last Grey Cup was a thumping. The Bombers yeah. won thirty three to twelve. I'm not sure how similar, how different these teams are from two years ago. I imagine there are a lot of return players. From both, yeah, there are. Um, the game is at six p.m. Eastern time on TSN. So if anyone wants to watch it, the pregame coverage probably kicks off a couple three hours before that, as it usually does. There'll probably be some nice like little documentary pieces. But uh, yeah, enjoy it. I'll be watching. There you go. Everybody should watch it. Canada, we've been waiting for this for two years. We're calling it the Ticats will get their revenge. Uh, moving on to other news. This is kind of cool, but also let's have a conversation about it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the Tip O'Neill Award, which is the annual award that is given out to the best Canadian baseball player. Uh, amongst a season filled with great Canadian performances, yeah. Vladdy remains the Canadian-born player on the very tippy top. Um, is it controversial, Justin Anderson, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won this award despite the fact that he, by all accounts, considers himself Dominican? And, uh, yeah. No, Is there's no controversial. There's no controversy here. I mean, no. by definition, Vladi is technically Canadian. He's Canadian born. 
so he's Canadian by birthright. So there's to me there's no controversy here at all. Um, yep, I would agree. <laughs> this is in the who gives a shit category. Yeah. But still, for some reason, uh, there are still folks out there who care uh, about where Vladdy was born and what he considers himself to be. Yeah. Who cares? He won the award. Get over it. <laughs> wasn't going to go to Joey Votto for the 18 millionth time in a row. Tyler O'Neill um, had a great year. Tyler O'Neill also had a great year. Wouldn't won, that a, gold, won a gold cool? glove. Yep. Uh, he was tremendous, but again, Vladdy remains yeah, a Vladdy top. Vladdy was pretty good. <laughs> I expect year. this will be one of many Tip O'Neills for him. Just guessing. It's not controversial, and if you think it is... Kick rocks. Um, yeah, go away. Um, <laughs> two more things on the docket. Um, I'm deferring to you on this one. Sure. This is really, it's kind of exciting, but the stove is starting to get a little bit warmer when it comes to who the Toronto Blue Jays may be pursuing in free agency. Of course, there is currently a lockout, which means players cannot use uh, team facilities at this time and of course uh, everybody is transformed on mlb.com into that mysterious grayed out image of a ball player uh very creepy but uh there's a name that we're being attached to and it is a canadian canadian boy dual citizen frederick freeman freddie to most of us um justin how do you feel you know what? It's, it's cool. I mean, any time that your team is linked to one of the big-name free agents, uh, especially one of the better players in his position, MVP, that mm-hmm. y- you get excited about it, and that's rightfully so. you got to think a little deeper, though, in my opinion here. Obviously, Freddie Freeman's a great player. Uh, he's a great first baseman. The problem is that that's his position. Now... Blue Jay fans and the organization made the effort to move Vladimir Guerrero to first base from third base. And they've put a significant amount of time in there, making him a better first baseman. He's still not there yet, but obviously we saw some big improvements this year in terms of just like decision-making on when to go for balls. He was able to stop pulling his foot off the bag. Uh, got really good at doing the splits over there. Like, <clears throat> he's a physical specimen. The problem is that Freddie Freeman's never played in a defensive position outside of first base, to the best of my knowledge. Again, I haven't looked this up, but I've never seen him in a different position, maybe besides DH, which isn't technically a position. Uh, so you'd have to move Vladdy somewhere else. Because you're not going to DH Freddie Freeman. You're not going to DH one of the better defensive first basemen in baseball. So then Vladdy's not going to be playing first base every day, which would really be counterintuitive to all the work you've just put in. And you're not going to move him back to third base because, God, we saw what a disaster that was. Um, and you're not going to DH him because, again, like kind of a waste of his talent. It doesn't really promote him to stay physically healthy if he's not playing in the field. It just, yeah, to me, like I, I would love to see Freddie Freeman in a Blue Jay uniform if he was not a first baseman. For me, it just doesn't make probably financial or positional sense to spend the kind of money that's going to take to get him to Toronto. And it doesn't really solve any needs that you have other than the fact that he's a left-handed hitter. That's it. That's like the one need he would fill, but he would just make things more complicated everywhere else. And that's, that's my take on it. Yep. I think that's fair. I think you said it all. The, the only thing is, if you look at all the left-handed bats that are still available, 
is there there is no other Freddie Freeman out there. No. But right. we and we talked about this before we started recording. I wish we had saved it, but we're going to talk about it now. We're probably better off re-signing uh, Corey Dickerson than we are signing Freddie Freeman, even though obviously Freddie Freeman in Toronto it would be fucking bananas. It'd be, It'd be great. It just it doesn't make sense. The ball is grounded to third base. Who's going to throw the ball? We still don't know the answer to that question. Will it be Vladdy? Probably not. That's just being realistic. I mean, I hope it's Chris Bryant because I don't want to trade resources to get Jose Ramirez. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, but I love Freddie Freeman. That's World Series champion Freddie Freeman to you, by the way. I'll have you know he deserves more respect. Put some respect on his name, Justin. That's World Series champion Freddie Freeman. It is. Indeed it is. It is, it is pretty awesome, actually. I, I don't know. I, I just think we are better off using our resources to sign in other spots. Yeah. We still kind of need a fifth starter. I'm sure we're still looking at guys like, you say, Kikuchi, uh, etc. Chris Bryant need... at third base. Yeah, Chris Bryant at third base. I would imagine they are con- at least considering Corey Dickerson on maybe like a two-year deal. Yeah. He's worth it. He's definitely, uh, you know, an above-average contact hitter, uh, good outfielder. He he could fit in, you know, I, I guess it would be left field. No. Right field is what he right plays, field. mostly. So who's in center? Well, George Springer. George Springer. Yeah, right. But then yeah. that also makes Randall Gritchick super redundant. So, like, what do you do with him? <laughs> he kind of is super he's... redundant, as we'll talk about today. We will, yeah. But it's just it's interesting we're getting this deep into the weeds during a lockout, which is our final topic. Yeah. Graydon. I, okay, explain the lockout to me like I'm five years old. So, No, during... not five. <laughs> uh, say I'm like 12. That way, d- pretend I'm not stupid. I'm like 12. Hi, I'm 12. What's a lockout? So, during a lockout, Patrick, it means that teams and players cannot talk to each other at all. They're effectively, they're grounded, they're in timeout. Uh, The baseball players union that represents the major league players and major league baseball, the league, are negotiating a new agreement that will see, it's it's a labor agreement. So, the players aren't going to play, or they cannot play until there's a new contract between them and the league, a new agreement. So there are contentious topics right now, like service time, salaries, tanking, playoff formats, the number of games that are played, a whole bunch of issues that the two sides can't agree on. And until they come to some sort of agreement, players can't go to the team's gyms. They can't even talk to their their coaches they can't talk to their uh trainers they can't do anything related to the team at all they have to do everything on their own and it doesn't allow any free agents so even if the jays wanted to sign freddie freeman they can't right now if the jays want to make a trade they can't right now the only thing they are allowed to do are to make minor league moves any players who either didn't play last season in major league baseball like D. Gordon just signed a minor league deal with the Mets. 
they can sign minor league contracts and make minor league trades all they want, but they cannot do anything with anybody associated with Major League Baseball or on the team's 40-man roster. That's basically the lockout in a nutshell. Did you see that letter from Manfred? Yeah, what a joke. Yeah, I hated it. Um, I read it, and then I was immediately forgot it because he's a very forgettable writer, apparently, but also a very forgettable commissioner. I really hope that this season isn't delayed. I want a full year of fully healthy George Springer in center field. I think that'd be really exciting. And also, fuck lockouts. Uh, give the PA what they want. Uh, I think that's all there is to say about the lockout. Do you have anything else? Do you have any parting shots you want to take at Manfred? Uh, no, I'm not going to say anything. I just want them to get to the table and get something done. I don't want to lose another season of Vladimir Guerrero and Bobochet. Agreed. Let's leave it at that. Let's move on. We're grading players today. This is exciting. We do this every year. Uh, this year, I think it's the first time that I have never given a player uh, an F. So that's kind of cool. Uh, no Fs. Our, our criteria was that we had they had to have at least 150 plate appearances otherwise they'd get an incomplete which is probably we don't have any f's (laughs) yeah it's probably why there's no f's uh and then we when we looked at Corey dickerson we combined all of his numbers yeah uh so this is like his performance on the year and not just this time with the blue jays uh otherwise i don't know that he would have qualified so we're doing that anyway if you don't like it, um, you should listen to the whole episode start to finish uh, just out of spite. Um, get into it. <laughs> yeah. And Number just one a, on the list. Just another side, too, where we include defense in this, too. So it's... That's right. It's grading the the batters, but also the, they play defense, too. So we're grading that as well. Uh, but, yeah, let's get into it. Starting off with a guy who played in every game, Patrick Marsh, and is now a Texas Ranger, boo, uh, Marcus Samin. The guy played in every game. 724 plate appearances, Patrick Marsh. That's everything you could have wanted and more for 18 million. Finished third in MVP voting. All star starting starter for the all star for the first time and started. 41 extra base hits was one of the top in baseball. 45 home runs, most by a second baseman in history. 15 stolen bases. Scored more than 100 runs. Drove in more than 100 runs. Over worth six and a half WAR. Like. Just insane. Like, happy for the guy to get paid, obviously. He deserved it. Um, Best exit velocity in his career. Best hard hit percentage. Was in the 89th percentile in outs above average, which is a defensive range metric, which is one of the tops in the league. Easy, Easiest A-plus that I'll ever give away. Well, I don't know about that, but I would say, yeah. I mean, Marcus, to me, this is one of the greatest seasons, maybe the greatest season ever by a second baseman offensively he was just lethal um 41 extra base hits 45 home runs it's just incredible he also had 15 stolen bases he was all over the place 115 runs scored so it was just it was incredible great walk rate k rate was uh 20.2 i like that that's yep. you know He's a power hitter. You want them swinging hard. 
he deserves every dollar that he gets out of the Texas Rangers. Um, even though he did cool off after the All-Star break, because he was flirting with 300 around then, uh, he did cool off, but he remained kind of a leadership figure on and off the field. Uh, you could see that he wasn't quite in the same group as like Tasker, Vladdy, Bo. It's because he's the adult on the team. <laughs> yeah, he, he was kind of the, the pop of figure, which was cool. And uh, Samin is just an incredible player, an incredible human being. Happy to see him get paid. Uh, absolute A+. Plus. Uh, great defender. I know everybody probably remembers that stupid throwing error that cost us Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we missed the playoffs by a game, but uh, don't do that. Don't don't make those connections. It ain't worth it's, it. Yeah, it ain't worth it, and it's only one game. Uh, Samin was just excellent. Loved it. Um, a plus, a plus. Let's move on. Yeah, Vladimir Tell us about Vladdy. Uh, geez, just an absolute banner year for for Vladdy. Broke out in every way possible. He was the yeah. best hitter in MLB by. Far. Yep. Uh, he was probably the toughest out. Him and baseball. him and Juan Soto, I would say, would be the two hitters uh, yeah. that would be the toughest outs. Juan Soto's on, on base percentage was like over five hundred, I think, in the second half. So yeah, he was just impossible. He's a pretty beasty guy. Um, this was the credit. best statistical season by a twenty-two-year-old. Forty-eight home runs. At 22 years of age, 111 <laughs> RBIs, 123 runs. Uh, love the walk rate, 11.7%. He managed to get the Ks to 15.8, which is great. I mean, one sec. Shit. Don't rename it, but. Uh, he is going to be lethal for years and years to come. A plus, A plus. Even if he regresses by five percent, if you dropped all of his numbers by five percent, he would still be an MVP candidate again. Yeah, agreed. Insane. Is there anything you want to say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was looking obviously at his advanced stats and pretty much on the Savant page for him. Everything is like red, which indicates being in like the top ten percent of the league. Yeah. So hard hit percentage, exit velocity, expected stats, like slugging on base, etc. Like top ten percent, just absolute bonkers year for Vlad. And yeah, another another super easy A plus for me. It's not as exciting when we don't have anything negative to say about a player. It, yeah, the only thing that obviously I, I we talked about when we talked about Freddie Freeman is yeah the, the defense is still a work in progress, but obviously yeah he's he moved he played his first full season at first base, uh, and did show like I, I think his decision making was really good. Uh, yeah. As the season yeah, yeah. went on, like he at the start of the year he was kind of going for everything where, where instead of like going to the bag and letting the the second baseman get it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Vladdy's got everything he needs to do, to all the tools to be a good defender. He just needs to play there longer, and I think we'll see some strides this coming season as well. So, yeah, obviously uh, we've, we've talked about it. He looks like he's working hard in the offseason, so hopefully uh, hopefully he keeps it up and comes into spring training in even better shape and lights the world on fire again. Bo Bichette. Yeah, but one more thing about more Vladdy. Thing? Right. Um, it's, what's kind of crazy to me is that 
again, he is 22 years old. Yeah. He could still have 15 more seasons of similar performance. Mm-hmm. He could hit 500 home runs potentially before he hits 30. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but it's possible. It's, it's not impossible, <laughs> but it's, it's unlikely. Uh, <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah. The, the rate that he is on, we he could we could have another Albert Pujols. Hey, look, let's let's see crazy. him do it again. You know, he did it yeah, once. He's got to do it again now. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Bo Bichette, Patrick, shortstop. Great year for Bo. Flirted with 30-30. It was 25 stolen bases, 30 home runs. Uh, again, another guy who scored over 100 runs, 121, scored or drove in 102. The walks are always going to be uh, an issue with Bo, 5.8%, but we know that he's, uh, he's a swinger. Um, he had the most two-strike foul-offs. I think it was like 273 pitches that he fouled off in account, <laughs> in account that Blue Jay fans lovingly refer to as Bo and two. Um, yeah, the guy, the guy just is a tough out. He might strike out. It seems like he strikes out a lot, but he strikes out less than 20% of the time. Hits almost 300. Worth five war. Just like Vladdy, still working on, on the defensive side of the game. For him, I think he kind of has the opposite of Vlad where he's got the range, but he doesn't have that like decision making. He, he throws a lot of balls that he probably should just eat that lead to errors and extra bases for some for some players versus if he just holds on to the ball sometimes he holds him to a single and go get him, get the next guy kind of thing so i think he just needs to uh to focus on that is that decision making but obviously like we, we talked about when we talked about samin um perfect guy to have as your kind of your mentor in the middle of the infield we saw bo get a little emotional at the end of the year in his press conference when uh, asked about samin and how much he meant to him and the the kind of the mentorship that he got so yeah, again, another positive that's going to come from Samin being for one year. I'm giving Bo a B plus just because of the defense. I just think that as a shortstop, you've got to be a little bit better than he is. Offensively, he's a god. So, I mean, A plus offensively, but uh, a, a, just a B plus overall just because of the defense for me. Here's a question for you. In the long term, looking at our, our shortstop depth in mm-hmm. the prospect pool, I'm particularly thinking about Orelvis Martinez. Yeah. Um, we also, let's not forget uh, Jordan Groshans is still yeah. there. Uh, at what point, how far into this do you say, you know what, Bo, why don't you try second? Um, I think when you're, when you're forced to make that decision, I don't think you do it proactively. I think if one of those players comes up and forces their way onto the roster and forces their way into a shortstop's position, then I think you have the conversation. I don't think you... Bo's the incumbent. He's he's there until somebody knocks him off the post, I think. I agree, but with the caveat that we're seeing rapid development from Orelvis Martinez. I think he'll... I think he may end up being the number one prospect in baseball before he gets his call-up. He is really starting to ascend rapidly and I would love that yes uh and Jordan Groshans is not uh he's no slouch either um yep. he had a, a, a decent minor league year and we will do a, a top oh, yeah, 30 it's report. coming it's coming the full farm report's coming we we got tons of we got 
folks, we got tons of time to burn before the season starts. So if it starts, oof. Don't you don't wish that. But I mean, <laughs> we're gonna talk about those guys another time. Today it's Bo Day. Bo is just he's one of the most consistent hitters on this team. He can hit for power. He can hit for contact. He's he can run the bases really well. He's got that classic swing. Looks like a ball <laughs> player. He's got the flow. The one my one criticism about his performance at the plate would probably be I would like to see him be a little bit more patient. Yeah. Um, the walk rate five point eight percent. I mean, it does. It's I'm not criticizing hey, his walk rate. It's as long as he hits 300, we're happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think with the benefit of more time, he'll become a more patient hitter. Yeah, and he will he will continue to flirt with 30 30. Oh, he's, I think he's, uh, he's going to be lethal. I think you're right. I think a lot of pitchers are going to start stop throwing him so many pitches in the strike zone because he hits them. So he's going to have to yeah. become more patient. Yeah, um, but I still think he'll hit. I, I think this stat line does not represent him hit peak Bobichet. I think this no. is like a step away from peak Bobichet. I think he's twenty regular yeah, regularly scheduled Bobichet will be thirty thirty. Uh these are sure. crazy numbers considering he didn't even get a look for a lot of awards. Um I'm giving him an A minus. I agree the defense not great, but pretty much every shortstop you can name in the last 40 years has had a similar arc. Uh, Tony Fernandez had a very similar arc with us. Uh, his first couple of years, he had a crazy number of errors, but he settled in and became, you know, the all time Blue Jays shortstop. So yeah. I think with the benefit of time, I think his defense will get better. And like you said, he's 23. He's just a kid. So I kind of look at it as I don't want to grade him too harshly on the defense. But maybe I'm just, I don't know, I'm trying to protect him. I don't know, with my grade. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but A- minus is good enough for me. Fair enough. Uh, let's move to the outfield. Uh, Gritch Daddy. Uh, uh, great start to the year, man. The guy was, like, in all-star contention, Patrick. Yep. And uh, then after that, oof. Um, a lot of ground balls, <laughs> a lot of double plays, a lot of rally killers. And he played in 149 games and was only worth 0.4 war. So oh. that's not what you want to see from a guy who plays in almost everyday role. Some of those games, granted, yeah, he did come in as a backup, but he had 545 plate appearances, which is pretty much a full season. Uh, 22 dangers, though. He'll take that. The strikeouts were actually down, I think, a little bit at 20.9%. 20, Walks were 5%, though, which, yeah. Um, 241 batting average. The expected was a lot lower than that. Just like Randall Grichuk's just a guy. He's like he doesn't do anything like super well at this point. Hits for power, and that's about it. That's like the only thing he does above average. And most of those home runs came in the early part of the season as well. So yeah. for for me, like I I can't give him below a C minus this year because without Randall Grichuk staying healthy when George Springer was not this team would have had to start guys like Jonathan Davis or Josh Palacios a lot more or somebody else in the outfield. And so he gets a C minus from me just because of the fact that he was able to 
play. <laughs> That's it. He, yeah. was a, he was a warm body with a glove. I, For the record, I wouldn't say no to more Josh Palacios. I think he's got something. Um, Maybe. But, yeah, for the first three months of the season, Randall Gritchick was very, very close in the all-star voting race. And he just, just missed out, I yeah. think, on getting the reserve spot uh, for the all-star game. That being said, um, as good as his first half was, uh, his second half was equally as bad. He really struggled. <laughs> really, really struggled. Uh, he gets a C- minus for me. I, there's no way I'd give him a D because he was just so good. The first three or four. I'd say it was around the end of July we started to see 20... Was it 2019 Randall Grishek? It was just not good. He's yeah. got two years left on his deal. Uh, he's already been mentioned in trade talk uh, from reputable sources. Um, that being said, the guy has been nothing but class uh, on social media. There is like a self-awareness, I think, that he's aware that he is kind of a low man. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, but I loved, I loved that commercial that kept playing on Sportsnet uh this year of uh it, it was him saying no one cares randall play harder or play better or something like that and i just kept thinking about that the entire year especially during the times where he was a rally killer or uh striking out i was like no one cares randall work harder um c minus good enough for me good enough for you good enough for me all right here we go Teoscar hernandez yeah, that's I, a, let's it, talk about a guy who's better than Randall Kretschek for a second. If it wasn't, honestly, if it wasn't for, I'm saying this, it's weird to say this on the team with this many talented players. If it wasn't for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez would easily be my favorite player on this team. He's like Jose Batista, but better defensively. <laughs> Not that that's saying too much, but... Uh, especially during Jose's like final few years, but Teoscar Hernandez is, is last year wasn't a fluke. This is the real Teoscar Hernandez. I said this when we did our preview show with Chris Henderson. This is the real Teoscar Hernandez. Lo and behold, there you go. Uh, another great year. I mean, the guy flirted with 300 the whole year. Andy hit 32 home runs, had 116 runs batted in. That's ridiculous. 29 extra base hits. He even had 12 stolen bases. He has speed. He just doesn't really get to use it very often because he's usually busy rounding third base unopposed. Um, what a tremendous player. I am really impressed by the fact that K's were down. His K rate's still basically 25%. The defense, it's all right. Uh, but his offense is just so much better. I really want them to lock him up long term. I initially I wrote down a grade A for Teoscar because of the defense. I'm A plus. Is that too much? What are your thoughts? If you feel that's the right grade, Patrick, I'm giving him an A for context. So mm. I. My, I think if he was a better defender, I would give him an A+. But, man, the guy went back-to-back -back silver sluggers. 
Unbelievable. And has solidified himself as one of the better offensive players in the American League and in a tough division. And for me, like the drop in K percentage by like five and a half percent is huge. It is. It is. He hit almost 300. Um, yeah, no, from I, I'm giving him an A. So if, if you want to give him an A plus, man, by all means, I won't stop you. I'm doing it. All right. A plus for Teoscar Hernandez, one of the best power hitters in baseball. And he, he still hit 32 home runs and had 116 RBIs during his season where he had COVID. He got sick. He was off. And then he came back and he didn't look that great. And the recovery time was there was a bit of a lag between his return and when he started to heat up just fucking amazing ball player to come back from something like that we saw other players who got covid struggle too tasker and endes man pay this man it, how he's 27 isn't he or 28 look uh, while you're while you're throwing that into the google machine I'm going to say one other thing that I think is underrated about his performance, and that's the fact that he gets on base a lot. Uh, while hitting 300, he also, he, like, he is drawing walks. You'd like to see him draw a little bit more, but at the same time, uh, he may not have the exact same set of peripherals at the plate as uh, in Edwin Encarnacion, but he certainly swings at a big stick. Yes, he does. So how old is Teoscar? He's 29. 29? Okay. He turned so 29 was... two months ago. So what do you say? Six, uh, six one fifty. get it done for you? That's too much. 6-120? I would say 5-110. Mm. Similar to Gosman. To quote Teddy KGB from Rounders, if you like... Uh, deep cuts from the Matt Damon filmography. <laughs> Pay that man his money. All right. <laughs> that was my attempt at a Russian accent. It was really that was bad. terrible. Um, Love it. I wasn't sure what action, what, what accent you were doing, but anyway, tell us about Lourdes Gurriel, Patrick. I'll stick in the outfield. Yeah, I know. I love Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He oh, I know. Is, <laughs> it feels like he is the heart and soul of this team on the bench. Uh, he's always yucking it up with the yuckity yucks uh he and vladdy are troublemakers for sure uh always smiling very rough start to the year for uh for uh for guriel sorry mm-hmm. um but he got way better as the season rolled on and he was able to bring his average up by like 50 60 points in the back half of the year he has an absolute cannon yep. for an arm but uh otherwise he does go on a lot of adventures in the field I think with a little bit more experience and as an outfielder, he will settle in uh, a little bit better. I don't think we've quite seen peak outfield Lourdes Gurriel. It's only been a season and a half, basically, of him playing in the outfield. I think his days in the infield are done. Oh, 100%. He has a lot of power upside. Uh, just missed out on an 800 OPS season. Uh, he will be a free agent. Uh, sooner than expected. Twenty twenty two is kind of the show me uh, year for him. I think he's had. Remember uh, the shortened year he did. He got a silver slugger. No, it was a Gold Glove. Gold Glove nomination. Jesus Christ! 
Gold Glove nomination. Uh, I don't know what happened to the outfield in the rest of the game. <laughs> um, but he'll have the opportunity to impress to get a, uh, a long-term high-cost deal if he does indeed play well. Um, I love the guy. I love watching him play. I think he's tremendously entertaining. Uh, he does have a cannon for an arm, which is, was yeah. a cool discovery this year. Uh, guys trying to <laughs> try to take home up uh, Guriel. They were more often than not uh, gunned down. Pretty yep. awesome. Um, two questions for you. We'll do the grade, and then I'll ask you two questions about Guriel. I'm giving him a B. Uh, I wish he had performed a little bit better down the stretch. Um, he was just so fucking bad the first two months of the year. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to give him a uh, B- minus just for the lack of lack of consistency, I'll say. He did have two spurts that I can recall. Huge spurts. Where he <laughs> he was like the hardest out on the team. Yeah. Um, but then the, his first two months of the year were just so bad. It was like somehow Randall Gritchuk like absorbed all of his energy, and then he got to have a good start, and then Guriel kind of got back to what Guriel does best, which is make contact and have power. But my question is, okay, first question is, uh, you know you have to extend Vladdy, you know you have to extend Bo, you know you have to extend Teoscar Hernandez. Is, hmm. Do you extend Guriel? Yes or no? Not now, no. I think they let his contract play out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, question number two, would you trade him? He's a yes. very valuable trade piece. Yes, if if the if the package coming back was right. Let's say the I package would. was a big package, and it was a big package that included uh, a left-handed starter that was under twenty-nine years old, yeah, and a reliever who was, you know, above average on metrics. I would trade Lois Gurriel Jr. I don't know what package I would tra- he would be in a package deal. Yeah, um, I would trade yeah. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yes. I don't want to. No, I'm, I'm not saying I don't I want would. to, but I would. Yep. But I would. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think like the fact that his he has his free agency is a little uh, is like I think a year or two earlier than what we thought it was going to. He is his contract is up. He had a 7-year contract that he signed in 2017 that runs through this season and next season. He's making yeah, four and a half million and then 5.4 the year after. I didn't think 2017 counted as a year maybe and maybe that's why I was confused. A lot of people this was a, a topic that came up yeah. People were confused about when his contract actually expires, and it does uh, at the end of the 2023 season. So we get two more years of him if he's not traded. But yeah. I, I do think that out of all of our players, even though he is uh, uh, a well above average player by all metrics, I, I think he is probably the odd man out. Uh, unless they extend him on like a long deal that's like like low medium money. Hey, his contract has provided a lot of value. So, <laughs> an incredible amount of value, and I don't think I, I I think this was a bad year for him. If if it were me, I would either trade him now, or I would I would 
egg him on to sign like a five or six year extension and have it be like 11 million at most like i'm not saying lowball him but i'm saying like this is a good time for the jays to negotiate with them i'll say that uh although Gurriel doesn't have to but i mean to get paid 11 mil instead of what's he paid now like three or two or three something uh this year was three and a half it'll be four and a half and then 5.4 yeah the if, next you, if you went for like a six year 11 million dollar deal he, he produces more than randall gretrick and he's making half of what randall gretrick makes i would do it if i were him and it'd be like hey you want to give me a six-year extension he's what 28 i would sign him to he's he's 28 he'll be 30 at the end of the contract i'd yeah. i'd give him i'd, I'd do a three-year extension Age 30, 31, and 32 seasons. I don't think I'd extend it's for gotta more It's got to be higher money than $11 million, though. It depends. Depends what he thinks he's worth. What I'm suggesting, though, is they negate the remaining two years of the deal to pay him more now. No, I wouldn't do that. I would ex- I would sign the extension. I would not renegotiate the contract. No chance. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, George Springer here, uh, the big, obviously the big free agent off signing last winter, six years, 150 mil. And he played at half, he ended up playing in half of the games, which is actually more than I thought. He played in 78 games for the Blue Jays this year, Patrick, after missing the first month and then missing a couple more months. Yeah. Um, and in half of a season, he put up 2.4 war, 140 WRC plus. He hit 22 home runs. Which is one more than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and the same amount as Randall Gritchick hit. And Randall Gritchick did that in an extra 200 at bats. So, yeah. Eat shit, Randall. Um, George Springer is a very good baseball player. In a full season, he would have hit 40 home runs, Patrick. And plays a pretty decent center field. We won't really know the full extent of his defensive capabilities. Obviously, he played on one knee for most of the season. Um, they still look good. And still looked and still made some insane catches. That catch that he made into the left center field gap, where he dove onto the track and came up with it. I, that one sticks out to me quite a lot. Um, very good first step read. His his read time is great. The speed is pretty good. Obviously, we'll we'll see a full extent. We'll we'll see full George Springer power next season. We'll see him at his full power as he'll be healthy after and hopefully a winter of nice rehab and strengthening, conditioning, getting back into George Springer's shape. The walk rate's nice at 10%, almost 11%. Strikeouts are 23%, which is typical for a power hitter. Um, on base is almost 350, and that, again, was on one knee. So this guy, I think, is going to end up being worth every penny, and having a full season of George Springer is going to help replace some of the production of Marcus Samin leaving. That means the Jays don't have to do as much to replace Samin, but obviously they still need an infielder. Um, but having George Springer in the full season is great. I'm giving him an A um, for like the time that he played. I'm overall giving him a B, though, because he, obviously he's only healthy for half the season. A for the time he was in the lineup, a B overall, though, for my grade, just for the health issues. Um, yeah, I'm going to just go down the line of what impressed me with George Springer. Um I, I was actually shocked at how effective he was at the plate, considering that he had to battle injuries all year. Uh, to still hit 22 home runs and 50 RBI in half a year, the other half of which he was badly hurt, 
OBP mm -hmm. of 348, slug 555. That's an OPS over uh, over 800. That's an OPS over 900. A whole year of that? Yes, please. <laughs> yep. He's worth Sub the money. Subscribe. Subscribe. Yeah, he's absolutely <laughs> worth the money. And if he wasn't hurt the whole fucking year, I think he would have hit way more than 40 home runs. I think we're seeing how his skill set plays out in the AL East, and it plays out very favorably for us. Um, just absolutely crushing on some of those uh, over those right field walls, uh, you know, Yankee Stadium. Uh, I mean, even Rogers Center is a hitter's park. And of course, Fenway, I think he will victimize the Yankees and the Red Sox uh, over a, uh, a full season. I think he'll hit way more than 40. Uh, he might flirt with 50. I don't know. He's got a lot of power. He is a strong, strong man. And while, yes, I would agree the injury thing sucked, some of it yeah. the Jays have to take the blame for because he was probably rushed back. And he probably rushed himself back, too, because he wanted to be a part of it. And he is a part of the, the team. You could see as soon as he was there. One of the things I love the most about George Springer was that when he was introduced – he didn't want to be the kind of player who tries to force himself into like setting the what's the word establishing the culture he wanted to be like a part of it yeah what was I, already there yeah he's fit he fit right in yeah he fits right into this team i'm really excited to see him in a full year i'm giving him an a um i don't fair. care yeah i'm not going to give him negative on the injury although I, I'll say A minus and leave it at that. The I'm really impressed. The walk rate was really impressive, considering he's a power hitter and he's supposed to be swinging. He hits leadoff for a reason for his career. He does. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does uh, next season. Yeah, uh, you you still got Vladdy, Bo, Springer, and Teoscar in your top four in, in some sort of order. So it's there, still a pretty good hitting lineup. <laughs> yeah, we're still going to score as many, if not more, runs than what we did last year. So as long as our pitching is competent, yeah. we're going to win the, at least. The team is in a good spot. <laughs> we're in a great spot. Let's yeah. move on, though, and talk about a guy that we are rooting for. Yeah. Uh, but he's not making it easy. No, one of one of my favorite Blue Jays. I've got his jersey, uh, Kevin Biggio. He's another guy who, just like Springer, played in half the games. He played in... 79 games actually had less plate appearances in Springer because at the end of the year when he came back he was really in a backup role as Espinal as we'll talk about kind of took the job from him at third base but uh Cavan still walked 12 and a half percent of the time the strikeouts were at 26 and a half which is pretty Cavanish. the walks were lower than they probably should have been he was being a little too selective at times got caught looking a bunch at the start of the season and then the injuries started to pile up he took a a ball off the fingers uh, and then he ended up banging up. I think it was his shoulder, his back. He had a bunch of neck and back issues. Really just derailed his season. So when he was healthy, though, like to be fair, he struggled defensively at third base, which is in his natural position. He's a natural second baseman. Wasn't his usual self at the plates. And like I'm picking him as my bounce back player for 2022, Patrick. I think it's the Kevin Biggio redemption tour uh, coming up, and I'm giving him a D though for this season, which was I think my one of my lower grades this this year. Gotta be honest, it was a D. That's rough. Okay, here's what I like about Kevin Biggio. 
He has a great eye at the plate. He is a very clearly a power hitter. Uh, he was hurt the entire year. His back was just busted. Uh, defensively, he's versatile. Uh, I don't think that he is the answer at third base or even really at second, but he can play okay in at least four different spots, which is nice. So I see him as like a super utility player who will probably get 130 to 150 games, depending on injuries, uh, as long as he's healthy. Uh, great walk rate. The K rate is very concerning. The average was really bad this year. He had, he just had a hard time, and I think it was because of the back injury. This was a bad year for Kavan, and all it did was serve to fuel that uh, Keith Law's stupid ass argument about how he's not worth a roster spot. Uh, even on a down year like this past year, he was still close to a 700 OPS. Um, WRC plus ended up being 84, which is real bad. Um, I'm giving him a D plus because I think it was better for what he was able to do dealing with injuries all year. I think I still think there were mo he had moments where he was his, himself. He did have a couple of games where he had two dingers, if yeah. I recall. Um. And again, he still has an elite eye at the plate. He's still the son of Craig Biggio. Mm -hmm. um, so let's see what he can do next year. Next year is a real big year for Kevon Biggio. This is it. Uh, this is the prove-it year if he's going to be more than a super utility player. So I expect big things from him. I think his average will need to come up at least 25 points in order for him to justify a roster spot over other players that we'll talk about here in a second. D-plus, I think, is fair. Yeah, I, I won't argue with you. I like I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Let's see what he does next year. Yeah. Let's move on to a guy that I have championed for more <laughs> than two years yeah. and many times have been shut down, uh, maybe not by Justin Anderson, but by... By other fans out there uh, in the Twitter sphere, which I am no longer participating in, uh, for that very one of many reasons why, uh, Santiago Espinal. Um, surprisingly, 92 games played this year, 246 plate appearances, um, was a replacement, it, it, anticipated to be a replacement player, ended up being way, way better than that. He hit 311 with a 376 uh, OBP of 405 slug, so very close to an 800 OPS player, which is the standard of, of what we say is a good player. Um, great contact hitter, can score runs. He does have wheels when he gets a chance to steal bases. Uh, the walk rate, not bad for a guy who you wouldn't think. But what really impresses me about Santiago Espinal is that his K rate is just 12.2%. Yep. For a guy who had close to 250 plate appearances, that's really, really good. Uh, defensively, he I think he's the answer at third base. Uh, I We're going to argue about that probably 100 times before now and uh, the start of the season. 2.2 war, 115 uh, WRC+. Plus. I, 
it's got to be an A, right, for what we're asking of this guy? Like, he he must have exceeded expectations by a considerable amount. I mean, he hit 311. A? What do you think, Justin? Man, he did what we needed him to do, all right? Like, there's no... I can't I can't say anything negative about San Diego Espinel's performance this year. Um. Yeah, in, in, given the context, yeah, it's an A. It's it's got to be, it has to be. There's no nothing. I can't justify a lower grade than an A. Can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the big knock against him is the lack of power. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, not everyone in the big leagues is going to hit for power. So defensively, though, I mean, surely... very good. And the fact that he still hit 311, like, it's not like he was, it's not like he was terrible at the plate, right? Like, yeah, he hit two home runs, but he hit 311. His on-base was 376. You don't have to be hit home runs to be a good hitter in this league. And he showed that he can be a good hitter in this league without hitting home runs. So, I'm mean, yeah, it's it's an A. It's it's It has to be. Yeah. I don't want to leave it just at that. I do want to say, like, I'm going to poke at you again with this. <laughs> is he the answer at third base? Could he be the answer at third base? Does he deserve a shot uh, at being the answer at third base? I would prefer him to not be the only answer. I would prefer us to still bring somebody in. But I have no problem with Santiago Espinal playing in in half the games, in 92 games again this year. If he played in 100, 110 games, I would not be opposed to that. I don't think that he's the long-term Solution. Um, but I, I do think that he deserves to play no less than he did this year. I agree. That means he's going to start a lot of games at third base. Um, and he'll have a lot of... Now, this wasn't games started. This is the number of games he played. That's why his played appearances are so yeah. much lower than what would be expected. Because he was a, he would come in at near the end of games. He did get a lot of starts, but he didn't start all of those games. So maybe these numbers are a bit protected by that. I don't know, but I, I, don't, I think that's kind of a bullshit way of looking at it anyway. I think the fact that he only struck out 12.2% of the time, clearly he was dialed in the entire year as far as how to hit the baseball, and he did a great job of it. So... I'm not saying he should lead off. I'm saying that the fact that he can hit 311 being, you know, a replacement player, like I'd like to give him a shot. If they can't pull the trigger on Chris Bryant or Jose Ramirez, if for some reason it just doesn't work out, I'm okay with him being a third baseman for a year. Worst case scenario, we get a gold glove caliber uh, defender at third the whole year who struggles mightily at the plate. Does yeah. that cost us games? Probably not. Look at how many other elite hitters we have on this team. Right. But if he can contribute offensively, this could end up being the answer at third. We'll have to wait and see. All right, we're going to play a fun little game here with our catchers. Uh, all three of them played similar amount of games or pretty close to it, or at least had a close number of plate appearances. Reese McGuire, Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, uh, this will be a fun little game. 
Justin, you're not allowed to look at anything. Don't Google it. Don't, no cheating. Okay, close uh, the tabs. Yeah, and then we'll we'll give everybody grades and all that. All right, here we go. So out of the three, uh, who had the most home runs? Danny Jansen. Correct. You're one for one. Uh, who had the most runs batted in? Alejandro Kirk. Ooh, swing and a miss. It was Danny Jansen. Damn. Who had the best walk race? Danny Jansen. And, okay. Uh, you're wrong, but uh, <laughs> it was Alejandro Kirk. Ballpark. What would you, if you had to guess, what Danny Jansen's walk rate was? I think it was like just over something in the nine percent, like nine and nine point four. I'll say nine point four. Yeah, yeah, you're very close. It was nine point six. Alejandro Kirk had ten point one, which is still not bad considering yep. they're young catchers okay. trying to learn. Uh, who had the best K rate? Like the lowest K rate? Yeah. Oh, that's that's easy, Kirk. Kirk, Captain Kirk's K percentage was just eleven point six. Yeah. In 189 plate appearances, that's incredible. Uh, who had the best batting average? Uh oh, I know Kirk was cold the end of the year. They all I'm, were. Yeah. <laughs> well, Danny wasn't. Um. Yeah, you had to fight just to get it up to where it was. Yeah, because I know Danny was in like the 220s. I think Reese was like 250, but I can't remember what Kirk's was. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it was Reese McGuire. Yep, Reese McGuire <laughs> hit two fifty three, which is still like that is good. Yeah, but but a lot of other problems. If we talked about expected score. numbers, it was probably Kirk. <laughs> yeah, um, and then we'll conclude with who had the best WRC plus. I know Denny Jansen's was positive. I know McGuire or above a hundred. I know McGuire's was not. Fuck, I think it was <laughs> Denny Jansen. You would be wrong. Ah. <laughs> Alejandro Kirk had a WRC plus of 106. Danny Jansen had a WRC plus of 105. As good as Danny Jansen is defensively, Alejandro Kirk is better offensively. That being said, Danny Jansen is the better overall catcher because he had a 1.4 war in his 70 games. Kirk had a 0.7 uh while playing 10 less games and of course reese mcguire's war was still 1.3 despite the fact that his wrc plus was 78 he had a really bad walk rate considering he's a catcher those are uh those are fan graphs war right yeah yeah okay, it's yeah, all yeah. f war by the way so that that they don't and they don't even value defense as much as brf does so i'd be let's curious just get right into it reese mcguire that. i'm giving reese mcguire c plus because I think that he definitely, after a, an absolutely miserable 2020 for him, where he was in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 253 batting average and 310 OBP is actually really, really good uh, for 217 plate appearances. No power. Uh, he did score. Uh, there was a hot streak where he was kind of running the offense at that first time. <laughs> wild to say. Yeah. But. Um, Okay, K percentage. So where's the fuck up for him? I think his batting average far exceeded what was expected. Yeah, everything um, offensively did. Yeah, everything looks better than what it was. But yeah, C plus for him. D. He still far exceeded our expectations. I'm giving him a D. He's the fourth now best you, catcher on our 40-man roster. 
That's brutal. But yeah. if he got a D last year for a miserable season, shouldn't he get a better grade? No, he gets a D. Improved? No, he gets a D. <sighs> All right, whatever. Um, Danny Jansen, man, Danny would have been up until I would say the beginning of August. Danny yeah, September was even <laughs> flirting with an F. Yeah, uh, it was really hard to watch him play baseball. Uh, defensively, he was still you know as good as anybody, but he was just just putrid at the plate. I feel bad even just bringing it up just because I can see his face and his glasses and his smile. Uh, <laughs> I love, that. I love it. I love his little glasses. Little guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's put it. Oh, let's put it another way. He was hitting a hundred. He was hitting a buck fifty in June because remember he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, in June, but from June the fourth. Till the end of the year, Danny Jansen was hitting 325. That's bonkers. With, with eight home runs and 20 RBI. Totally sustainable. <laughs> uh, 1.129 OPS from wow. June to October. Keep in mind, he only played about a handful of games in July and then only one game in August. So, majority of this was September. Um, we were 18 and 12 with Danny Jansen in the lineup from June 3rd to October the third so i i don't know i'm gonna give danny jansen a c plus yep and then i'm gonna i'm gonna downgrade risa guard with c minus because it's not fair uh, yep. danny jansen had one of the worst starts to a year that i have ever seen ever <laughs> a player uh his first uh his first stretch of the year was fucking miserable um yeah, hitting a buck fifty in the first forty games of the year. Do you want to hear what his stats were like in April? No, I I know how bad they were. Zero point four five one forty three OBP. He was just a guaranteed out. We were yep. eight and eight during that time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, not fucking, great. Just fucking brutal. Uh, C plus, I think, is fair. Defensively, he's our best defensive catcher. Second best. Hitter, although I think Reese McGuire deserves more credit than he's going to get no. from you, but that's <laughs> fine. You can say whatever you want. C-plus Danny Jansen. C-plus for me, too. I'm looking forward to the Danny Jansen Revenge Tour in 2022. <laughs> uh, and as I do every time he hits a home run in a game, if he, if he hits two home runs in a game, I will buy his jersey. It's going to happen this year. No God, I hope what. it does. I would love I would love him to uh, force me to buy it. As I, wanna, I, I would love to have to shell out. Two hundred dollars to buy a jersey. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. If we get a chance to do, to go to the dome this year, which I don't know, probably not. But if it happens, if you buy Danny Jansen sweater, I will buy a Jose Barrios. Oh, that's a good choice. You know what? That's a good choice. I think his think his jersey sales are going to go up quite a bit this year. But uh, yeah, C pluses for Danny Jansen. What do you have for Kirk? Alejandro Kirk gets a B from me. Um, again, a season marred by injury. Uh, ridiculously elite, uh, low K rate. Uh, his his walk rate was almost as high as his K rate. That's ridiculous. Yep. That's how he's, uh, he's been his whole power. career. His yep. whole, if if you extrapolated his uh, his stats here, and I think he would he would overperform the extrapolation. Mm-hmm. 
I think he could probably flirt with 30 home runs if he was fully healthy. He runs like he's got a piano on his back. <laughs> he's not gonna. He's not there to steal your bases. No. He's uh, he's there to, to mash. The slower he, he has really to run, well. the better. Exactly. Um, I really like Alejandro Kirk. I do too. I wish he did more, or he did better defensively, but that's not why he's there. He he's is young. not Pudge. He's not Pudge Rodriguez. He's Mike Piazza. He's there to hit. Yeah. So solid B from Kirk. Yeah. Overall, like I, I'm giving him a C overall. Um, the Jan- Jansen and Kirk wombo combo is going to be nice next season. <laughs> uh, really looking forward to seeing those two guys playing a lot of the games at catcher until Gabe Mourinho just takes over everything. But mm-hmm. we'll talk about him later on in the farm report. Um, yeah, I, I'm giving him a C overall. Just. For the way he finished the year, I think it would have been a B minus or a B for me. But he was just ice cold at the end of the month, or at the end of the season. He could not do really do anything. The last month of the year, numbers weren't ideal. So I'll give him, I'll give give him a C just for that R- rookie season, kind of in the books now for Kirky. And yeah, no, I know I, I like the guy a lot too. I think he's got a good future with the team, and I hope that he gets to mash a lot of dingers for the Jays long term. Yeah, I hope so too. Last um, guy on the list, Patrick. Hold on. Oh, you got, you already did your piece, Patrick. <laughs> now hold on. We're gonna do one more thing. Oh my if god. If you had to give an overall grade offensively for this platoon of three guys from last year, and then offensively, and then overall, what would you give them? Defensively, offensively, and overall. Yep. Uh, B plus off or defensively. They, the Jays were one of the leaders in like pass balls, uh, not a lot of them. Catchers do a good job keeping the balls in front of them. Uh, base stealing, yeah, don't, we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like in terms of like mistakes, we're a ton of mistakes from the catcher mistakes from the catcher position. So I'm getting him the B plus on defense. Offensively, it's a C. Overall, yeah. C plus. C plus That's B minus fair. somewhere. In I'm there. gonna say this. You probably don't realize this, but Reese McGuire's actually was better yeah, at right. catching guys stealing than yeah. the other two. Yeah, of course uh, he was. He's a better all, he's a, he's got a good arm. He's a better defensive catcher yep. than Danny Jansen is based on the performance metrics that we have available. Does he have a higher ceiling than Danny? Probably not. Um, but that being said, he can't hit great. So that's gonna suck. For him, uh, the platoon next year will probably be Jano and, and Kirk. Reese yeah. will be the call-up, although he's out of options, so I don't know what the fuck they're going to do about that. Um, he's probably going to be somewhere else. Um, offensively, I'm going to give them a C, because I think they are about average as a platoon. And I think Danny, because Danny brings them down quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> struggled. Just because he struggled a lot this year. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Defensively, uh, I think they are a B minus. I think McGuire and Jansen combined provided a lot of defensive war. And then Kirk is not known for his defense. And we'll leave it at that. And then overall, what did I give them? C plus and a B. I'm going to say, or C and a, a B plus or B. Whatever. C plus overall. Cool. Fair enough. Last last guy. Let's talk about him. Yeah, Corey Dickman Dickerson. 
Uh, love the hell he chokes up on that bat. That dude is a slap hitter, traditional guy. Total total season numbers. Not going to look at just the Jays' numbers, which weren't bad. 109 games between Miami and Toronto. 271 average was about 10 points below his career. It was worth 0. 0.08 or 0. 0.8 WAR positive and WRC plus right on 100. Just a league average guy. Doesn't do anything particularly well. Doesn't take a lot of walks. Doesn't strike out a ton. Doesn't really hit for power. Doesn't steal a ton of bases. Doesn't play great defense, but he doesn't do anything terribly. Just like just your average left-handed guy, which every team needs. Um, I would prefer him over Randall Grichuk in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> in a heartbeat, I would not think twice about it. Would be would be nice to see him uh, come back in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm just giving him an incredibly average C because that is the definition of average. Mm, that's fair. I'll say this. He had a significant regression with his average this year. It's 10 points, uh, Patrick. <laughs> that's not that's significant. significant. That's significant. No, he was hurt too. He, his, he was in a walking boot for like two months. Good contact. He can run the bases well. He can steal your bases. He does have power. He's not, you know, he's not better than Lourdes Gurriel Jr., no. but he's also a very competent, useful left-handed bat. Yes. I'm going to give him a C plus. Um, average. Yep, fair enough. All right. One last thing, though, about Dickerson. If you had to put a price tag on a return, what, what do you give him? Uh, $8 million a season for three Oof. years a lot i go two six so he doesn't take that <laughs> i don't think he, he takes walks that. yeah I think okay so. um anyway <laughs> we've we've got we've got some stuff coming up we're obviously like less than two weeks from christmas now so we're gonna attempt to get a farm report out here soon the dust has now settled on the minor league seasons with the fall league ending a couple of weeks ago. Um, some guys are playing a winter ball. Fernando Tatis Jr. had posted a pretty cool Instagram story with Gabe Marino jacking one in the in the winter leagues, uh, which is pretty sweet to see. Uh, I know lots of Jays players play in the Venezuela and Dominican and those winter leagues down there, so getting a lot of, a lot of uh, exposure there, which is great. Keep playing baseball. Um, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Listen to us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Website is bfmdpodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to the episode. We do appreciate that a lot. Enjoy the Grey Cup today. I hope you guys watch. I hope you support Canadian football. Um, Yeah, go Leafs. Go Tiger Cats. Red Wings suck. Come on. Why you got to do the drive-by at the end of the I don't know. I got to do it. I got to take advantage. Um, was, go Thai cats. Yeah, Let's go Thai cats today. Uh, but we'll be back hopefully next weekend with a with a farm report. I'm gonna put my my reputation on the line and say I'm gonna do lots of work on that this week. Holy shit! Okay, I'm putting it on the line. It's out there now. It's in the ether. Right. I've manifested it, Patrick. It's gonna happen. I'll make sure I do it. Um, but yeah, we'll be lots of deep dives on some prospects. We'll look at every level. We'll look at the top 30 overall. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a big one. So for those of you who've been asking for the farm report, it is coming. I promise. But for Patrick out in Halifax, Justin here in Saskatoon, we'll see you next weekend.